Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So, today's episode is a little bit different because I was going to do a Q&A style with the clients last night, but we had the amazing Ushin Mulligan in. Ushin Mulligan? Uh, Ushin Mulligan in last night to talk to my amazing clients last night in the in the live, and we were going to use it, and we were going to. I was going to use it as the the recording for today's episode, but I decided against it because there was a lot of images and videos that were used so a little bit of context would have been lost if i used it as a podcast episode i decided against it and sent the the, the video to everyone that was working with me either one-to-one capacity or also in the in a in the female fat loss group as well but today's topic is something that a lot of, all of us do every single one of us it came up in the q in the q a last night it's come up in check-ins the last little while on a very a variety of different topics so today's topic is going to be on comparison why we do it understanding why we do it, what benefit we see out of it so here's the episode on comparison so before i start today's podcast i'm delighted to announce it's a brand new sponsor for the shane walsh podcast so i want you to stop think and ask yourself do you feel like the best version of yourself are you stressed having trouble sleeping or issues with pain management Introducing Irish-owned CBD Self Premium CBD Oil, the natural solution to reducing anxiety, improving sleep and helping with pain management. CBD Self Oils are made from the finest organically grown hemp, ensuring the best quality and purity. All oils are produced the highest standard and are independently third-party lab tested. CBD Self have a range of CBD oils with different strengths based on your unique needs and are very proud to introduce their brand new product, De-Stress Oil. This uniquely formulated oil targets stress and anxiety. Become your best self with CBD Self. Visit www.cbdself.com to order yours today. And as a sponsor of the podcast, I'm honoured and delighted to give you a 15% discount for all listeners of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So please use the code SHANE15 to get 15% off your order. Now for the podcast. This episode is a really, really important episode in relation to comparison or why you compare yourself to others and how to actually stop doing it. So this may be a very short episode or this may be a very quick episode. Will depend on how many rants and tyrants I, or rants and stuff I go on and whether I've had caffeine or not. I haven't had caffeine yet, so I could fall asleep mid-flow. So this is based off a conversation and a couple of conversations that I've had with clients. And I was thinking about this recently, about when you first have a conversation with someone one of the first things i ask you is what do you do for a living and i was sitting at lunch with a couple of friends recently and about halfway through the meal someone brought up this kind of topic of conversation like it's funny where people's conversations can go really really quickly and everyone at that table agreed at some point in their lives they've been guilty of this particular behavior right and we all wondered why. Despite the different ages, people being settled, people having different things, people having kids, people having houses, people having jobs, people, whatever it may be, whatever sense of accomplishments they have had. And we continued comparing ourselves to other people, even though we knew it was a, a kind of one of these things that's pointless and often a very, very destructive tendency. And that's when with kind of chimed in and kind of who have been really, really quiet they're always the quiet ones always watch the quiet ones when you're at food or when you're meeting up with people they've always got something interesting to say they're kind of taking it all in and processing it and this one of my friends kind of chipped in and said i actually feel i compare myself to other people relatively rarely and kind of sat there kind of like waiting for a response we kind of whoever i was with looked at around each other and then back at him and you mean compared to other people 
someone else kind of chimed in and kind of asked that. We kind of looked at each other and kind of had a bit of a chuckle about it because he looked like he kind of felt that we knew it was one of those secrets we all shared, a habit we just can't seem to beat, even though when it seems like we've beat it. So even though John was kind of joking, and that was my mate's name, John kind of chipped in and said that it wasn't that something wasn't that something that he didn't do. This comment, this story is better in my head than I'm actually verbalizing it, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, he was joking that it was something he didn't do. We all we all realistically knew that it was something that every single person was one of us does. But we just it's this habit that kind of chips 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 away. It's something that we can't necessarily beat, even when it seems like we've actually beat it. So we all compare ourselves to other people, right? We do this even when the comparisons aren't actually meaningful, even when they make us unhappy, even when they don't actually make us better, smarter or more productive human beings. And we seem to be doing it more and more and more. If you look at social media, what's the first thing you do? You look at what someone else has or you look at what that person's doing. Why are they on holidays? Why are they able to get the nice house, the nice car, the kids, whatever stage of life you're in? And and this can act like a plague of constant self-comparison. And can only really be only become a phenomenon in the last five years is really really grown and why we just need to actually understand why we do it so why do we compare ourselves to other people is there an actual any benefit in seeing how we stack up against others and if there isn't well how can we stop so we're designed to really understand ourselves some people are more self-aware and some people are less self-aware that's just fact This capacity for self-reflection is one of the defining characteristics of human species. And it's what makes us look up at the stars, ponder, daydream, keeps us from behaving like like idiots all the time. Between going on parties, on J1s, or it pushes us to cooperate and pushes us to compete with the other highly evolved apes or humans we interact on a daily basis. In other words... We have a fundamental need to evaluate ourselves. And the only way to do that is reference to something else. So we need to get our surroundings, understand why we do and where we fit into that thing and that scenario. And since we live in a world populated by other forms and other life forms forms that look and behave a lot like us, that something else becomes someone else, other people. And that something else becomes someone else and that's other people. Which is why we consistently compare ourselves to that influencer we unso- we see on social media. That cover model you see on a magazine. Or that ripped guy in the, in the, in the magazines. Rather than, your, rather than your own internal standard of beauty or textbook or human physiology. So if you're in the gym and you're looking around and you're comparing yourself. It's rarely that you're comparing yourself to everyone. You're normally pinpointed one person in that gym that you're comparing your body to. But one, you don't know what that person has done to get there. Two, your body is completely different to them for a good reason. You've different genetic makeup. You might have bigger quads than them. You might have nicer bum than them. You might have better chest than them. You might have better arms than them. But it's we're often finding ourselves that we have these non-social or when these non-social concepts aren't available or compelling enough for comparison, and spoiler alert, they're actually not, we'll start to see how we stack up against each other. So when you first ask that question, when you meet someone, what do you do for a living? You're 
pinpointing where on that pecking order, on that ranking order, where you fit in. Whether you like to admit it or not. That's where you're, you're kind of pinpointing and saying, right, am I better than this person? Am I worse than this person? And if we're better than that person, we kind of almost stick our chest out. If we're worse than that person, we can kind of become a little bit more reclusive. And this whole peculiar drive was kind of looked at seriously by a psychologist named Leon Festinger in the 50s, okay? And Festinger basically said that people evaluate their opinions and abilities by comparing themselves to other people for two reasons. Number one, to reduce uncertainty in the areas which they're comparing themselves. And second, in how to learn to define themselves. So he called this concept social comparison theory. And it's one of the biggest contributions to the field of social psychology that's out there. I went, what Festinger, Festinger, I don't know why I'm struggling to say his word. It's not that diff- name. That's not that difficult. Uh, what Festinger really, really nailed in and honed on was that the human beings can't actually define themselves intrinsically or independently. They can only define themselves in relation to someone else. So when it comes to the big question of identity and self and who the hell am I, we need to look at other people. But he actually went a, further, a bit further than that and that's where things get really interesting. For one thing, Festinger pointed out that the tendency to compare ourselves to other another person decreases as the difference between our opinion or ability and the other person's increases. So in other words, the similar, the more similar we are to another person in some way we think is important, the more we tend to compare ourselves to that person. So we tr- tend to pinpoint and benchmark ourselves against similar people and similar, similar ranking. Okay, that means we're more likely to compare ourselves to a colleague at our level than we are just the CEO. We're just like we're more likely to compare ourselves to a runner in our weekly running group than we are to Usain Bolt. But the difference between you and Usain Bolt is astronomical. But the difference between you and another amateur runner or someone who's new to the gym is quite small, which makes it the more attainable. And therefore, we have this compelling comparison thing that we bring in. Festinger also pointed out that when we stop comparing ourselves to other people, we often experience hostility and derogation towards those people, as long as continuing to compare ourselves to them brings them unpleasant consequences. So in other words, if we stop comparing ourselves to that super fit runner in our running group because it's making us feel bad, then we'll tend to deal with those feelings by mentally tearing them down. And if we can't deal with those negative feelings of the comparison, then we'll swap them for more helpful ones, anger, hostility, or it tends you to simply write that person off. So if you've ever felt a twinge of envy about someone close to you in your group or work or whatever it may be, and then found yourself subtly turning against them in your mind, then this process will sound familiar. It's a strange script that all of us keep running in the background to keep us feeling secure in our positions and self-concepts. The glory of being an actual human. Stress. Anxiety. More stress. Trouble sleeping. It's a continuous negative cycle. This seems to be the norm for modern life. It doesn't always have to be like this though. Try CBD Self's uniquely formulated combination of CBD and CBG de-stress oil. Designed to help naturally reduce stress and anxiety. Become your best self with CBD Self. Check out the website www.cbdself.com and use Shane15 to get a 15% discount off your order. And like finally, like, and is this is probably the most thing, most important thing for us when we're kind of thinking about it as well. Festinger pointed out that the more important we think some particular group of people is, the more pressure we'll feel to conform to that group in our abilities and opinions. So, in other words, we'll feel more pressure to kick, 
to go kind of compete more in say a bike row ski class or in any gym class that you're doing whether it be crossfit or whether it be a bike row ski or a spin class or whatever it might be then we will to perform like a random group of cyclists on the street so the difference is that we think our certain class that we're in is more important comparison group whereas the ability of some random cyclist down the street probably matters very very little to us which if you think about it explains why we pay so much for these certain classes we pay this because we think the group is important but we also think the group is important because we pay and because everyone else is paying too it's like a hall of mirrors now all this might sound like pretty bonkers and pretty obvious for some people and less obvious for other people but when we know we have a need to compare ourselves we know we tend to compare ourselves to other people who are similar to us and we know that we compare our abilities and our opinions to groups we deem important we also know that the comparison often dredges up some unpleasant feelings so we look at it this way isn't it just the way that we're designed that's why we just have to accept that's what we do and we don't need to compare ourselves with the people in order to know how we're doing we know it otherwise why would we become better is comparing ourselves to other people really that bad and these are re- all really really useful questions and we need to understand why we're comparing ourselves in the first place and this is where this element of self-evaluation versus self-enhancement comes in so for years it used to be how many podcasts i could listen to in a day i'd walk to loads of different podcasts like lift the bar or james smith or amelia thompson and i'd listen to loads of different different podcasts about trying to learn everything about things and then it would allow me to kind of in a given week i'd listen to dozens and dozens of podcasts across all the spectrum from poor to amazing to niche to mainstream and i'd be trying to come a little bit more better i'd be trying to become more educated in certain areas and all of this i'd be taking mental notes picking up little tricks and tips along the way, trying to see where I fit into that podcast podcast hierarchy when I first started. And it's figuring out how I stacked up against the bigger names that I would be kind of, who I've listened to for years. And then I, and I did this all in the name of research, seeing what little tips and tricks have they got? What way are they wording different things that I can kind of take or what way can I differentiate and make put a little spin on myself? And this is a way of gathering new skills and measuring my progress along the way. And sometimes listening to those shows would leave me quite excited and proud. And I'm better than these guys. I may not have the budget behind some. The guests I'm very proud of who I've had on. But if you listen back to my very early interviews with people, the audio is crap for the first 50 episodes, 70 episodes until a conversation. But the interviewing style has become a lot more natural. You find your flow. But I know some very big names that you can see on social media have stopped podcasts after two episodes. I spoke to one recently. It just, he did, couldn't get his flow. But most people, there's a reason why most people stop doing their podcasts after about 10 episodes. Because they think that it's not a, it might be something that's a little bit awkward for them. It might be they don't value it enough, which is cool. And I've thought many times over the last kind of five and a half years of having the podcast of giving up the podcast. And that's me being brutally honest. Not from a sense of enjoyment, but sometimes it can be a sunk cost fallacy of there's a lot of time to put into it, researching all these kind of different things. It disrupts my sleep on certain occasions. 
due to client interview times and meeting times and stuff and then there's the research behind it a lot of these different factors because you have to remember i'm only i'm only one person yes i've got the amazing new coach Alyssa on board but i'm only one person so i'm trying to to manage a lot of different things and it's weighing up what's the pros and cons and it took me re- it took me years to kind of not fear that rejection or that confused piece or that dejection piece i've got a lot to learn still about how i do it could i market myself a lot better yeah 100 percent. i'm not great at marketing myself if you look at other social media accounts they're a lot sleeker on their certain videos where they phrase things etc it's one of the things that i struggle with and it's understanding what what they do that i don't and it took me years to realize that by comparing myself to other people i was actually doing two things one was trying to figure out how good I actually was and two was actually trying to make myself feel better and recognizing the difference between these two motivations for comparison is the key to separating out healthy comparison versus unhealthy comparison so let's return to the example of work all right so say you compare yourself to Andrea in marketing same age same position similar talent been there for the length of the same time and same ability and of all the people in the department Andrea is the most compelling to compare yourself to because her skill level is comparable and attainable and because she's part of your group in your company whose opinions matter to you so when you're sitting in that meeting with andrea you probably find yourself wondering how do you stack up one do i present present myself as well as she does do people care what i say as much as they care about what she says are my excel models as solid do people find me as trustworthy or insightful do they value my opinion as much as her? are they listening to me these questions arise automatically but often and often unconsciously as well. As if just by being near Andre, you can't help wondering how to compare. And behind these questions, you'll notice a few different motivations. One motivation is to understand the objective quality of your work. And when you compare your presentations to your work colleague like Andre, you're starting trying to understand whether your presentations are as interesting and how they could actually improve. When you study the way the rest of the team responds to her recommendations, you're trying to gauge whether your colleagues are feel similar about you and how you might become a more authoritative convincing or influential in that scenario andrea becomes a sort of benchmark a sort of source of feedback loop for you and a feedback loop that you can use in order to become better she's a model of the level of the ability of your striving towards she's a way of for you to assess yourself against a relevant source of comparison but that's not only that's not only normal but it's also essential and a very different motivation behind the comparison Andrea is to see yourself more favorably and what people can do here is from this perspective when you can compare yourself to Andrea you're looking to her to help to build your sense of worth and sense of self and when you compare your presentations you're looking to feel better about your own persona and style and when you study the way your colleagues respond you're looking to confirm that they're the more talented and respected colleague that people take you as seriously that you have more authority or influence or charisma in that in that office so in other words you're not studying andrea at all to improve your self-evaluation you're studying to boost your own self-esteem which is how you look to other people and that is the kind of comparison that gets us into trouble as it happens this kind of comparison often gives us a very distorted view of ourselves in fact research has shown that we tend to prioritize feedback we tend to prioritize a lot of feedback that makes us look good and desirable and ignore feedback that makes us look weak undesirable generally less than 
So even if we succeed in making ourselves feel better, our brains are often playing a clever trick with the data we're using to arrive to that conclusion. As long as self-enhancement is your goal, then comparing yourself to other people will always make you miserable. Either you're comparing or a comparison will artificially boost your ego, which will temporarily make you feel superior to the person you're comparing yourself to, or your comparison will unearth, the, will unearth the, how do I say this, the vulnerabilities uh, you might not want to face, leaving you exposed to familiar feelings of anger, envy and shame that you might be having already. Which brings us back to that original question. Is it really so bad to compare ourselves to other people? The answer is, as always, with any question that I ever give is, it depends. So if we're comparing ourselves for self-assessment, then wondering how we stack up is natural or healthy and often very helpful. I'd even argue that that's necessary. But why? But if we're comparing ourselves for self-enhancement, then this process can become more confusing, obsessive, and even toxic at times. And the problem is that we, when we compare ourselves, we're often doing both simultaneously without even realizing it. And often times we think we're trying to assess ourselves when we're actually trying to enhance ourselves. And this is why, which is how we can justify this kind of destructive habit under the guise of doing our research, just as I used to when I listened to all those podcasts. And that's a trap for some of the highest performers in the world can fall into. And it's one of those biggest paradoxes of self-improvement. And we need to study other people in order to measure our own progress, that we're doing okay. It's almost like a scorecard. Where am I fitting in on that scorecard? Where am I fitting in on that ranking? But by measuring our progress, we often end up inflating ourselves, tearing ourselves down. They're doing this, why can't I do that? And people are very, very good at being negative towards themselves. It's the biggest thing I find when I start working with people is how easy it is people find it, how easy it is for people to put themselves down. And I've never seen it work. Either changing themselves out of hate or putting themselves down constantly because what that tends to do is your expectations are that you're never going to allow to fall over a trip. But when you were a kid, you fell over and tripped and you turned out okay. It also, you've unrealistic expectations and you focus on what you can't do or what you haven't been doing rather than what you focus on what you can do. So bring this back to a weight loss or a fat loss goal. Often people are very, very good in saying, I don't have time. Uh, I'm working mad hours. I've got the kids. I can't prep every meal. I'm like, okay, cool. So what can you do? I just get this blank look. But what can you do? Rather than saying what you can't do, why not bring a little bit more focus in on the positive of what you can you do? And people don't realize how debilitating and how crippling that kind of putting yourself down constantly is it's crippling and it's not working for you the way you think it is it's get it's putting you down before anyone else can it's a protection mechanism aka a control mechanism but you are giving away control rather than looking at what you can do and what the actions you can do in the direction you want to go and we actually don't realize that all this comparing ourselves to one another in a bizarre, unstable, often toxic hall of mirrors that this comparison is making us often miserable. But there's another reason that comparing ourselves to other people makes us so unhappy and it has to do with the ideas that we, all, we already have about ourselves. When we compare ourselves to other people, we tend to think of it like fishing. We cast our nets around the people we choose to compare ourselves to. 
We check out the catch of observations that come back. And then we, ch- we use those observations to form an opinion about ourselves. Whether we're as good or as smart, as beautiful, as talented, as good, look- good looking, as skinny or whatever it may be and so on. And the reality is the process is much more complicated than that. Because when we compare ourselves to other people, we almost always have a pre-existing idea of what we and how we stack up. We have this pre-existing idea. Remember, when we're engaging in social comparison since the time we were kids, that means we've had years, decades even, to form all kinds of opinions about ourselves and about everything from our professional talents to our social skills to our athletic abilities to our moral standings, how we look, what we should look like. And these opinions are often made up of our self-concept and self-esteem. They're like all the scaffolding on our, on, of ourselves, the pylons propping up our identities. And psychologists call these core beliefs self-views. And we carry them around us wherever we go. And these self-views are insanely important. They help us to make sense of the world around us and allow us to navigate that world in a a way that is safe, coherent and stable. For example, if you have a self-view that says, "I I am a capable professional, then that belief is likely to take you to walk into your office with confidence, handle a difficult situation and take in a tough new project. Alternatively, if you have a view of self-view that says I don't know enough or that I'm worthless in a certain position, aka fat loss, well then you're going to probably make the make that environment more stressful. You'll take a back seat in meetings or you won't maybe immerse yourself in the process and you'll shrink away from those responsibilities. We have these self-limiting beliefs and these stories that we tell ourselves that we can't do something. So every time we quit or a blip happens, or something doesn't go right and we give up that's confirming that pre-existing narrative and story that you've created for yourself or has been created for you as a protection mechanism that it confirms that like oh i have no self-worth i don't have great self-worth and it's something that i'm back in therapy for at the minute and i'm not ashamed to say that but it doesn't mean i stop doing what i value doesn't mean i don't try It doesn't mean I just stop doing things because things get a little bit difficult. There'll be times where I can push, there'll be times I need to ease off. And at this moment in time, it's one of those times I need to ease off and just kind of tick off two or three things that I need to do each week rather than doing my maybe my normal seven or eight or nine. And that's okay. But if you have this narrative of, I'm not worthy enough for this goal, guess what? You're probably not going to get it because you have that story already in your head of this, I don't deserve this. You have that pre-existing narrative that you've created and has been created for you, maybe sculpted for you. And it can cause more stress. But you have to think about it from this interesting point of view. No matter what self-view you happen to hold, that opinion is allowing you to make sense of the world for yourself. And with one belief that your world is a positive, promising, growth-orientated place. With the other, it's a self-conscious, taxing, demanding one where you let everything on top of you. By the way, the views you hold about yourself will keep that world consistent for you. And to your mind, it doesn't matter if those views are totally accurate. It only matters what they work or that they work and that they work by propping up that self-concept and keeping your world stable and consistent. So it's no surprise that these self-views are very, very precious to us. We need them. And because we need them, our minds become anxious when those beliefs get threatened. We need to constantly keep feeding them, reinforcing them, building them up. 
Because who would we be if we didn't have these thoughts about ourselves? What would be the world be without them? It's like driving across a bridge every day, knowing that the bridge is in a state of disrepair or it's quite rickety. The thought of tearing it down and building a new one might be the smartest thing to do. But it's getting me across. It's getting me across for years. So you know what? Maybe let's leave the bridge alone. I like this bridge. I know this bridge. Don't mess with my bridge. So we end up protecting these views about ourselves very carefully. To do that, we seek out feedback that confirms that the office is friendly and exciting for our stressful or stressful and hostile, depending on which self-view we happen to hold. Which means that when we compare ourselves to other people, we're often comparing ourselves with a certain opinion already in mind. So we're acting like a we're not acting like that blank slate, waiting for a comparison feedback to tell us who we are or what we are. We already know who we are. Or rather, we think we know who we are. And then we compare ourselves to others in a way that helps confirm that pre-existing belief. And that allows us to maintain the ideas that we we have about ourselves. So we don't rock the mental boat too much. It also helps us, makes us stable and predictable to one another. So that when we come across a new person or interact with an old one, we can predict how they'll behave and decide how to behave toward them in return. William Swan developed this theory called self-verification which was another major contribution to social psychology. What does this actually mean for us all? That's the big thing. Well, two things, plus some really great news if you're comparing yourself is making you really, really unhappy. So first, when we compare ourselves to other people, we're not really comparing ourselves to other people. What we're actually doing is comparing our ideas about ourselves to other people, then using our observations about those people to validate those pre-existing ideas. So if you think about it that way, you've never really compared yourself to another person in your entire life. You've only compared your idea about yourself to another person. What's more is the last few years have added a whole new level of abstraction to this because of the forms of, you guessed it, social media. So now when we compare ourselves to other people, what we're actually doing is just comparing ourselves to the versions of other people. The versions they choose to put up into the world. We're comparing our blooper reel to someone else's highlight reel, and judging ourselves against the the, the kind of the, the, the petrified proxy. And this isn't used, but it's worth remembering: people's digital selves are not their real selves. No matter how much they spend time on Instagram or use the word authentic in inverted commas or hashtag their photos, hashtag no filter, hashtag no cropped, or hashtag give us a fucking break. That's why comparing yourself to other people these days feels so much worse than it used to. Like, that's just fact. Not only are you comparing your idea about yourself to another person, you're comparing your idea about yourself to someone else's idea about themselves. So this kind of like smoke in the mirrors. Have you ever seen that meme of like um, Spider-Man, the three different Spider-Mans pointing at each other? That's what it's kind of like. And since that person is also comparing their idea about themselves to you and your idea about yourself and hundreds of other people and their ideas, a huge chunk of your life is really just comparing, it's just ideas comparing themselves to other ideas. Which is actually pretty hilarious when you when you see it for what it is. So when you think about it again, when we compare ourselves to other people, we're usually just confirming the ideas we already about have we already have about ourselves. We compare ourselves to other people to verify the self-concepts we already hold about ourselves. I shouldn't be here in the gym. I'm not worthy of being in the gym. I shouldn't look like this. I don't deserve to be happy. Well, these are all stories. If we look at the whole thing about going to that spin class or comparing yourself to what other people are lifting, thinking that or that, that running 
circle that you're in. Oh, she's way more fit than me. I'll never be in that kind of shape. Or if we look at someone in marketing or their job and think, well, his skills are really paying off. If we can get if if he can get ahead, I can too. I just have to keep putting in the time. But since the human mind seeks seeks this kind of stability thing and this coherence above all else, we're almost always thinking about observations to confirm that we're right. Humans love to be right. They love to be right about the things that we are. Because if we're truly honest about the comparisons data we've received, we'd have to rewrite all of our mental models and reshape our pre-existing beliefs and platforms about ourselves and the world. And a person's convinced that she's the greatest employee on earth would have to adjust the idea that she's, she still has a hell of a lot to learn and to prove. A person convinced that they'll never find a partner would just have to, to adjust the idea that he or she's not worthwhile or they's not, they're not worthwhile in control and response for his or her or their relationships. For most of us, rewriting these fundamental self-concepts would be terrifying. Because it's knocking us down. It's layering us back. So we just go on verifying the ones that we have, the pre-existing ones, without even realising it. Which is also kind of ironic as well, because you think about it, we spend all this time obsessing about how we stack up against other people, but in many cases we've already made up our minds where we stack up. So if comparing yourself to other people is making you miserable, then ask yourself what your motivation for comparing yourself really is. Is it to assess your abilities and your opinions? Is it to enhance your sense of self about those abilities and opinions? Or is it to verify the beliefs you already hold about those abilities and opinions? So many of these, many of us will actually be surprised by the motivations lurking beneath this self, some self-comparison self we're engaging on a daily basis. What seems like self-assessment can really, really easily and subtly turn into self-enhancement. And when we realise we don't stack up against what we'd like, what seems like self-enhancement can turn out to be self-verification. And we realise that we're seeking a comparison that reflects the, the people we have or who we are. What seems like self-verification can suddenly become true self-assessment. And when we realise that we're not, we're only trying to, to, we've only been trying to protect ourselves in general, no matter what your motivation really is, at the end of the day, the book ultimately stops at you. And that is awesome news. So you are in control of what you do. Because if self-comparison is making you freaking miserable, then it's not only be, it's it's only because of the reasons you're doing it in the first place. And the ideas you choose to form as a result. Both of which are over time are totally in your control. Still, we'll never stop comparing ourselves. Never really. We never stop quitting that because it does serve a purpose. It does serve a purpose. It's only because of the reasons you're doing it in the first place and the ideas you choose to form as a result, both of which are over time, are totally within your control. And what we'll do is this instinct of to, to kind of re kind of self evaluate evaluate is is to really look at other people for information about ourselves, and this is so deeply rewired and ingrained into our species. But you can notice the tendency to self-compare and just by noticing it, reframe it or reframe it from it when it's not truly productive to what you want to do. And you can investigate your motives for self-comparison quite easily and make sure that you're comparing you're, that you're comparing yourself for reasons that are productive and healthy rather than egotistic and toxic. And with enough self-awareness, patience and kindness, you can actually learn to use that comparison. 
not to unfairly tear yourself down, which a lot of you are probably listening to this, which are very good at, or artificially build yourself up, but to find that, and I really mean to find out for real if the ideas you hold about yourself are actually accurate. It's rare enough that a story that someone would say to me, that a client would say to me is actually a true statement. It's a belief system that protects them from doing certain things in certain ways or gets them to do a certain thing in a certain way. But we, they can change. Those narratives can change. We can either keep pushing down that narrative rabbit hole or we can change the story. It can be a chapter. It doesn't have to be the story. But with enough self-awareness, enough patience, enough self-compassion and kindness, you could actually learn how to use that comparison not to put yourself down and to find out really what is for real if the ideas you hold about yourself are actually truly accurate. Starting with the one idea that brought you to potentially this link or this podcast in the first place. I need to compare myself to be, to other people in order to be happy. So hopefully it's a very deep dive into comparison. There's psychology, there's self-evaluation, there's loads of different things in there and why you do things. Some of it's a benefit. Some of it's a benefit. We don't do anything as humans without seeing a benefit. That's just fact. We see a benefit behind it of controlling what other people will think, controlling ourselves away from failure and not allowing us to fail, has to be perfect time has to be the perfect time in order for me to lose weight even though life is always going to be busy I've got kids or I've got holidays and stuff coming up there's always going to be something there's never a perfect time there are better times but there's never a perfect time so if you've enjoyed this episode and why you compare yourself to other people and how to stop please leave a review up on iTunes and Spotify please leave a review pop us a DM pop us a message and if you're interested in one-to-one coaching with myself and my team Click on the link in the show notes and we can book in a free call. So hopefully you've enjoyed the episode. If you had, as always, please review and share it. Thank you so much for listening.